0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. It's a privilege to be back with you again. And since 2016, we've had some just incredible conversations with so many people. But today, I think this is just the epitome really of, of thought, conversation and reality all combining just to really share education, not only as it could be, but how it actually is for so many people. Today I'm chatting to Russell Kaylee and he's one of the principals of Think Global School and was voted one of the top 100 global visionaries in education in 2021. TGS is the world's first travelling high school and beyond the travel, TGS offers a distinctly unique environment for students to guide their learning through the Changemaker Curriculum. Designed with agency in mind, the Changemaker Curriculum empowers students to create and implement projects relevant to the countries they call home during the course of their TGS education. So as a travelling high school, pupils live in four countries per year, making unforgettable connections between their education and the world around them. So without wasting any more time, here's my conversation with Russell Cayley talking about Think Global School, but also education as it could be, as it is, and maybe how we can create it. Hi Russell, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. When I came across what it is that you're doing in education, I thought... There's so much to, to learn, whether you're physically taking part in what you're producing or just the concept of what's, uh, what you're trying to do. So, yeah, tell us, what is Think Global School and what is it that you think you're able to bring to those people who are involved?
1: Well, Think Global School was founded around 12 years ago now. And it's a traveling school, which is kind of why it gets a lot of PR and press attention that we, we travel around the world. We now, we now hit four countries every year. Um, and the idea is for our students, which there are 60 of in two groups traveling to really soak up local culture, language, um, rituals, routine, ethics, you know, it, it, it's absorbing what, what that place has to offer. So there's a lot embedded around place-based learning, um, passion-based learning, project-based learning challenge, and, and it goes on, but we are very much a project run school um and that's kind of also so our our two differentiation factors are really that we travel and we have a project-based curriculum where the students are really encouraged to follow um, what drives them what what, what's their passion we we really we don't follow the instructional minutes we don't follow standardized testing we we follow the what what the students are interested in and passionate about
0: and within that is there kind of a curriculum that you you sort of think that we ought to just cover this or ought to cover that or the all the skills that you think would be beneficial once you're in this position to use this sort of project um i'm just sort of thinking in, in sort of real sort of practical terms yeah. you know sort of how much kind of reading writing maths um humanities do you need to know to get the most out of what it is that you you'd be doing
1: yeah great question so we are um standards driven so we have multi we have around 100 standards that our students accumulate over their journey at TGS, which can either be two years or three years, depending on entry. And those standards are around more traditional families, such as mathematics, um, social science, natural science. So the students accumulate that, but the idea is you know, the, the world is the classroom. So when we enter a country, we very much focus on modules on what that country has to offer. but standards are attached to everything that we do. So that's how we get the quality control on it. So we're a fully accredited high school. Our students go on to, you know, very good universities. When we, when we established this, one of the, not criticisms, but I guess red flags that was pushed at us was, well, you know, what will universities say? What will, you know, will they accept these students coming from such a diverse curriculum? And the answer has been, yes, they, they have um because we do have the standards attached and credits are awarded for courses there is quality control and I think more and more schools are looking into this now we're not we're not we were very much an outlier six seven years ago when we when we started running with this but now there's a lot more schools even if they've not taken this up they're in the conversation about how do we um reform because I think if one thing the pandemic has shown us exams weren't quite the all or nothing that we were told over the last you know 10 15 20 even more years you know it was all of a sudden they were stopped and it was you know well, let's go with teacher grade, let's go with something else you know so we're very much in um we're very much in the narrative of talking with schools and people who want to develop curriculum around not just project-based learning and, and, and standards but also Um, having the students develop a process portfolio a journey of learning which involves prototyping designing reflection um it's really is multiple layered multiple skilled and we've we're very much avoiding that you know let's do a two or three year experience in a school and let's test and then in two hours or three hours of an exam that's how you showcase learning that can't be the future i think most of us are on the same page with that
0: and and of course, the, the most important thing that everyone would realize, like you said, is the fact that out of these experiences, even if you have to showcase what's gone on and what learning's happened, just the project itself, you know, everything that they do, everything that's you're part of, shows so much more than, like you say, a two-hour exam, which is then <laughs> marked and, and, then, and then sort of hung, hung to the wall, as it yeah. were. So you, you get much more information than you would have done anyway.
1: You do. And like I said, we moved, I know in the UK, for example, we moved to teacher-assessed grades during the pandemic. And that's, um, you know, that's one of the branches of our assessment criteria. You know, the students develop a process portfolio. We work off rubrics which are tied to our learning standards. We also have something called a table of excellence, which looks at non- um, I guess you would say away from that standardized element of math, science, language where we look at, okay, how does the student take feedback? How did the student lead? Um, 21st century skills can be embedded into that table of excellence. Um, the sustainable development goals can be layered in. So that table of excellence is quite dynamic, whereas um, the standards is, is more stagnant. But again, that, gives, that does give you the quality control um so so yeah we we, we've we've had great fun developing the curriculum and we've really seen um students come alive with you know since we've moved over to this style of learning and I think that's been above all that's been because we know that all schools around the world can't travel like we do and we're not when that's not what we're selling that's not what we're bringing to the table what we're bringing to the table is dynamic projects and challenge-based learning which we believe any anyone can implement there are barriers we're not blind to that and we can discuss that but um but what we we would like to see more of this implemented in schools a, a, across the globe because we really have seen huge benefits in the in the happiness the well-being um the resilience of our students at think global
0: yeah and well that's incredibly important you know fire is really important to us in terms of feedback inspiration resilience and, yeah. and empowerment and we've already talked about that you know you've demonstrated it in just in terms of what you're trying to to get across and I guess we should touch on the age of the of the students that are taking part in this because I guess that that affects the type of project in terms of of what the expectation is and and that kind of thing
1: yeah students join TGS um they can either join in a US style excuse me, grade 10, or they can join in grade 11. We don't accept in grade 12. So we're looking at an age range of 14 to 15, usually 15 to 18
0: in terms of so, age range. Yeah, so that, like I said, that's taking you the end of your traditional schooling in, into that sort of university age and and from there. So tell us, if you can, not in a nutshell, but in, in terms of the sorts of projects or all the sorts of experiences that, that some of these students have had based on the countries that they've been to
1: yeah sure um well we have i'll give you two i'll give you kind of two phases of this we went to india um just before the pandemic and projects there india is famous for coming up with the concepts of zero so we had a maths module all our modules are interdisciplinary so they'll all they all have mixed methods they all bring different subjects to the table So zero to infinity, which was one of our modules, mixed mixed mathematics with various other concepts. Now, and what we'll do is teachers will, um, we have teacher led modules at TGS. We have passion projects, which are the student lead and the student run. And then we have a mastery project, which is what they do to close down their TGS experience in grade, grade 12. So projects in India would be, if they were teacher led, and we usually break that evenly amongst the student body We had a mathematics module which was zero to infinity we had a city planning module which was the students actually begin to build a city because we were based in mumbai so the city um, was very much grappling with huge amounts of traffic Um, they were trying to solve a pollution problem which they actually made great strides in doing in the last few years so the students were designing a city planning module where they were looking, okay, where are you going to build your roads? Where are you going to have your um, housing areas? Where's going to where's going to be commerce? Uh, where are you are going to build your factories? And they were mapping that out on a simulation software. But at the same time, they were meeting local experts and local builders and architects from Mumbai who were really mapping out why Mumbai specifically did ABC in terms of their architectural work. Then for the third module, we did um, an e-commerce module where we worked with Um, people from outside of Mumbai who were um, experts in arts and crafts but they were only selling to the very local community so what our students did uh, because a huge part of PBL is that that empathy you know you've got to empathize with the people you're working with so the students had to build build very very quickly a skill set of listening to the people they were working with and how were they going to get these crafts online in an online marketplace imagine a mini amazon so the so they were the three they're three examples of, of projects we did for for example in a in a country like india but more generally we've really been very much futures focused so generically across countries we've tried to do modules on virtual reality um the growing influence of of the blockchain and um, AI, excuse me and ai so we've also had a very futures thinking i've had the staff being very futures focused in terms of okay what might the students need for the next 20 30 40 years what could arm them in the economy um what knowledge would would really help and that's been a big focus of the team as well and
0: and and these things go hand in hand so much don't they like you say you could kind of you have the skill sets in terms of what is it that we can do to help these projects? How can we expand them, let's like, say empathy, and then putting this into place, like say, if it's an online marketplace, as well as then also having those specific skill sets of kind of, you know, we know that you know virtual reality and these sorts of things are gonna be so massively important yeah. to understand, let alone to be sort of pushing the boundaries in, in the coming years as we get heading in that general direction
1: yeah massively I mean you can't avoid it I mean we were just in Dubai with the with the students and the cohorts and the way that city is been built in terms of looking to the future the Museum of the Future opened a couple of months ago it's incredible and it's it's really you know we're doing our we're doing our students and our children a huge disservice if we don't start you know beginning to open some of these doors for them um you know curriculums that haven't evolved for the last 10 15 years you know how how is this happening when you've got such a dynamic world out there in terms of some of the things you know we're going on anyone who's listening to a podcast who was um a visitor to the expo that was running for the last six months in dubai knows you know <clears throat> the the incredible technology and the advancement that's going on you know why isn't most of this stuff being embedded in our curriculums it, it's it's you know, we 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 genuinely we're generally trying to make that change, and it's frustrating from our part when we see kind of low hanging fruits of certain um, modules that can be initiated anywhere, um, just not happening because curriculums are are stagnant; they're just not developing. And that's the the conversation I'm having with so many um, kind of fellow principals and directors around the world. And you know, we know there are roadblocks; there are governmental roadblocks; there are state legislation roadblocks; there are school ownership roadblocks, but we have to draw inspiration from things like the world expo from the obvious advancements you know if you just log on to twitter and see what's going on regarding bitcoin and blockchain the world's changing and it's not going to care if school evolves or not the world will keep evolving
0: Um, and 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 like say the students who've had the opportunity to even Step into that world in whatever that happens to be. Are going to be so much further into that conversation, and I guess that's the main thing, isn't it? Because it doesn't really matter what we're saying now. We know it's going to be different in next year or five yeah. or ten years. So <laughs> it's it's knowing it's knowing that you're happy to evolve and, and be fluid enough to kind of to work with it and to be part of that conversation to advance all these things.
1: You're absolutely right, and I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. The problem is what we are, what we're bringing to the table. We know. Is deeply controversial in the sense that what we're asking educators to do is remove themselves from being the experts. And I, I kind of want to make that clear that that's an expectation we ask of TGS staff. You are going to be learning alongside the students. There's no I you know, chalk and talk, delivery, standing at the front delivering content. It's a again, if we like it or not, it's it's diminishing. It's that is that is a skill set. Um, Students can grab so much information off, you know, uh, from online sources, the obvious one being YouTube, which we all know and we can all access. You know, as a a former history teacher, yes, I could stand up in front of the class and deliver World War I, World War II content, but it's all online. Surely, what we should be doing is beginning to teach them okay, how do we analyze these events? How do we critically think about these events? How does history jive with economics and finance and um, geopolitics? And these are the sk- these are the skills. And that's why we are so passionate at TGS about the interdisciplinary model because the world doesn't exist in silos. It, it just does.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and when you were talking before about you know. The, the the projects and, and the education in mumbai it's that kind of i could see that happening in my village you know like I say it's it different people different scenario different environment but i, I love oh, the so. fact that it you know you might have the opportunity to travel to a, a, a far distant land as it were to, to get that experience but the concept of what you're doing like i said is is everywhere and i think it's those fearless leaders it's those people who know that you can still tick all the boxes if you need to yeah but actually through what you want to do you're engaging everybody you're pushing everyone in that direction and and that's how it's going to change it's not going to change waiting for someone to like say decide that the curriculum needs a little bit of an overhaul
1: no it's not and and you know we we were there a long time ago tinkering with the curriculum and in the end we had to have we had to have some very hard conversations um, within our organization so are we living up to our mission and now we living up to our core values. And the, the, the honest answer was we weren't. And that's why we had to pull down the old curriculum and rebuild. And we couldn't tinker anymore, in all truthful. we had to rebuild from scratch. And that's kind of what we did. And, but the joy of that is that, like I said, I always go back to this, the students are happier. They, they, they're so much happier. Um, and the, the world being your classroom, like you say, Mark, can exist anywhere you don't have to travel to far off lands it's great if you do that but you don't have to do that to learn you know there's there's multiple topics and subjects happening on all outside all our front doors um and we're not for some reason we we, we're so reluctant to to use them stimuluses
0: so we should probably take a little step into into your role in the organization in terms of and also how you got there and in terms of the way the staffing works and and, and those sorts of things so people get a real understanding of, of what it's like to be you know part of you know think global school
1: yeah so my role is is principal we have two uh, we have two cohorts in the field right now um 30 students and 11 staff with each cohort, which I know is a high ratio. But when you travel, then there are obviously safety concerns, there's logistic concerns, there's wellbeing concerns, which is why we have a counselor that travel with us. And then we have seven seven educators that focus on the module delivery. We also have things like language and maths lab, because we we felt that those two subjects Specifically, need some foundation skills, and in them labs, we'll skill build and then launch the students into module. We have um, an some a course we call Inside Out, which is for emotional health and well being. So, in terms of my journey, I I was at school in England, um, taught there for seven years, then worked internationally over in California uh, for a number of years and ended up applying for a job at the global school it was kind of a crazy journey I had multiple interviews one being Thailand one being Germany um real roller coaster of an admissions process to the school which we don't do now by the way um (laughs) the growth of zoom has made that them them days longer but yeah got the job took a flight to Argentina and I that was 10 years ago I joined as history teacher five years later became Dean of students and then did that for a year and then moved into the role of principal, which I've done for five years now. Um, so yeah, so we have, we have educators who can apply from any field to TGS. If you're interested in joining, there just has to be a willingness to, like I said, to learn with the students, to teach outside your comfort zone. And then we supplement all our, our groups with a school counselor, logistics person, and a media specialist
0: fantastic and i'm interested in terms of how you pick the countries is 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 there sort of a system to that or or kind of we need to cover a certain amount of the world how how do you go about going to, to do that
1: well when i first joined we kind of were much more kind of it was the more of a scattergun approach whereas you know any startup is messy you know anything you start from scratch is going to be a messy approach and we did a lot of learning in those early years now we have a much more um systematic approach so we go to 10 countries because we repeat greece in term four we always go back to greece to have a community building term but we try and cover different parts of the world we try and so for example um southern africa we visit botswana Um, we're in mexico and panama in latin america Um, europe we go to greece and bosnia Um, obviously with um China at the moment with COVID with that was a country that's imminent. So we'll have to look at that, but we go to Japan and Australia as well. And and in the middle East, we go to Oman. So there's a mix of countries, there's a mix of languages, religions, cultures, and that's really, um, what we, so we look at things like safety. We look at, can we build three modules? Um, we look at, you know, a diversity within the 10 places we go to and we sent out a curriculum design team when we first launched the changemaker and they actually scouted the countries now we've deviated a little from those countries but they largely are intact so when we were building the program it was kind of a scouting mission to countries that we thought could work um but then we're always at the mercy of um political upheaval now we're at the mercy of of covid you know and like I said China not opening up as as quickly as we would have hoped so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a process, but largely it's safety. Can we build three modules? And can we find um, safe accommodation and housing and classrooms for the students?
0: And it must be so rewarding for the students in terms of having a shared experience, which is going to be like almost nothing else they're ever going to have in terms of their particular age, that they're the developing the skills, and just having you know, a conversation with, like, say, 30 people, which you can only ever have with those 30. Um, and I guess they're sort of, they must be sort of lifelong friendships, which are going to be developed from that.
1: Yeah, they, they, they form amazing friendships, but we're very mindful of staff. You know, we talk about the bubble, you know, the bubble of a traveling group. And we try, to, we try and really make the students cognizant of that to, you know, make friends outside TGS. When they go home, really connect back with families and friends so we try and prepare them and give them them skills but you're absolutely right they make friendships which genuinely do last a lifetime because when you're traveling and you're in such drastically different um environments you're going to make bond you're going to make incredible bonds mm-hmm. but we also like to think the program is doing that as well as much as the travel because within product other project-based learning and how we deliver it there's a lot of team and group activities so you've really got to learn about your colleagues you've got to empathize with them you've got to take their feedback you've got to reflect together on projects and designs and prototypes that you make so in addition to traveling with each other and having that incredible bond that all of us get when we've traveled with our friends and family you also are in the trenches so to speak with your colleagues you know designing and and building all the way through which we we do very little siloed work where the students are just head down and working there's a lot of, lot of teamwork in TGS.
0: And who are the students? Where do they come from? You sort of, you know, it's a global school. Is it completely around the world? You know, there are certain backgrounds that do work, don't work? Is there a financial implication? Talk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we go through trends to be honest, uh, and um, certain countries become popular um, different times. So right now we've and I look at the internet traffic a lot with our with our with our back-end experts back in New York so Egypt Mexico Brazil India are very popular right now and Vietnam um in the early days we had a lot of interest from U.S um Bhutan we had a lot of students from Bhutan considering the size of the country um Australia and New Zealand have always been fairly well represented and in regards to um, social economic backgrounds, we have the whole variety. Um, we offer scholarships at, I think, Global School. We offer financial aid and support. So students apply for that and, 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 and get it. So therefore, the student body is very, very diverse, not just in um, where you're from or religion or culture, but also you know in terms of a financial background as well.
0: And I think that just, you know, that, that's almost a springboard into everything that you've spoken about so far, isn't it? It's like the world is your oyster and you have opportunities everywhere and you can just walk into this world. And And I think hearing that from, you know, someone listening and thinks, oh, it sounds like a fantastic thing. Oh, but it's not for me or my world doesn't look like that. It's like, well, that's exactly what we're talking about. Your world can be whatever you want it to be. And this is a great way of kind yeah. of, of just opening, that, opening your mind and, and having that conversation with yourself.
1: Yeah, it is, and you're right. I mean, for you have to give a lot to this job because you are traveling the world. We have um, we've redesigned the typical school calendar, so we're on for eight weeks, then off for five. Um, that big summer you don't get, we've condensed that, and put the, the holiday there's a longer holiday later in in September. And that gives us four very focused blocks of learning. So when we get into the country, we do one week of online before we arrive. And then we've got seven weeks of really, you know, all systems go, you know, we're also a boarding school, so we all do duty at night with the students. We always have staff um, around so the students are safe and, and monitored, bed checks and um, curfews, you know, you have to be at same time. So there, there's a very, you know, we, we're very mindful of the safety aspects. Um, so you do, you know, whether you're a staff member or a student, you, you 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 give a lot of yourself, but there are there are huge reward. I mean, I've been here for ten years, you know, so there are there are huge rewards um, in doing a job like this and genuinely seeing and studying the world. I mean, it's it, it, you know we, we're very fortunate, you know, we, we in, in regards to the job.
0: And the conversations that you, like you were saying before, in terms of talking to the education world in general, um, once you kind of, you sort of break through that kind of, yeah, but we don't do what you do kind of thing, and you can sort of start talking about it in terms of real learning and what you're trying to do, are there any sort of themes or any kind of types of things that happen which you start to see, oh, there's a pattern there in terms of it's either an obvious way of thinking or blocking off a way of thinking or, or a desire to want to do it, but not quite sure how to go about it. What's your sort of experience with that?
1: Yeah. As I travel around to various conferences there you, you're absolutely right. There's various themes that emerge themes that emerge for me are everyone. I speak to know there's a problem, knows there's a problem within, with traditional education, how it's largely being delivered right now. There's no one that I meet who says, yeah, we're on the right track. I mean, i'm giving a presentation in turkey in two weeks and i was putting together some data you know the morale of teachers you know especially over the pandemic um where you we were all missing why we got into the job anyway you know we were teaching from you know and and it opened certain doors you know working offline and online and we i'd imagine many of us upskilled dramatically in certain areas um but morale is is across many parts of the education world is not great right now you know we we're struggling to find teachers. There's going to be, I, I think, I read there's going to be a mass head head, head um, or director shortage coming at us fairly soon. And there's no one I speak to that, that thinks there's not a problem. Yet we're not seeing the change that needs to happen. And I I hear a lot of talk. You know, I, I attend many conferences where there's a lot of keynotes and workshops on transformational education and the latest one for many schools is you know we're now student centered we are now student focused well are you you know if that if 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 how you're exiting the students is still a factory based exam I I'm going to take some convincing of that you know um, in terms of how much the student is really at the heart of the process if we're still still talking about student and um, you know school league tables and um then 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 what does that look like so as I go so as I as I travel around I I see a lot of talk I I I feel there is a shift it's happening it's slow but it's definitely happening when that shift is happening um themes are what will universities say what will well the parents won't like it um that won't work in my subject <laughs> so it's there are themes and they tend to be them we've proven the university thing isn't true we've we've, we've proven that you can um teach a student-driven a passion-based curriculum and the, stu- the university will accept your students we've also proven that parents largely are your biggest cheerleaders once you um show them this can work and our parents have been amazing we've got incredible parents at TGS from all different backgrounds who are supportive of of our process um and the idea of it can't work for your subjects again I I don't buy that it it can and we're we're proving that is it hard is it a struggle yeah of course you know as a history teacher I had to throw years of curriculum in the trash when we transitioned I was never going to teach World War one again but Ultimately, we we're in this business for the students to thrive. And if we as educators have to be a little uncomfortable at times, upskilling, like we said earlier in the interview, the, the world outside is not waiting for us. It's, it's, it's moving on at a rapid speed. And if we are still, um, stood in front of children, verbally delivering for hours on end chalk and talk and, there's none of this critical thinking there's none of this teamwork there's none of this collaboration they're not building passion passion projects as as they go then then they're becoming massively disconnected from 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 the world outside and that's that's a problem
0: and and i think that's key isn't it that kind of disconnected from the world outside i mean i was at um bet very recently and one of the themes Coming through was this disconnect between businesses who have this vast amount of money and who are, you know, from a very sort of technical side, need a type of employee coming through that has the sorts of skills that we're talking about. You know, it sounds very sort of black and white, but you you understand what I mean. And then we have this education system, which is just so far removed from what they actually need. And, And it just seemed that there's a real willingness there to kind of, we need to bring these things together. But they need to work together in a much more kind of organic kind of way. You know, we need to bring money in and communication in and conversations in which doesn't necessarily just benefit your company or your particular school it's it's sort of we know that this whole movement needs to happen so that the sorts of conversations that we're having or the sorts of support activities are, are made available to anybody um and it's a really big thing to do but um it is that kind of sort of bob geldoff idea as, as someone said to me that kind of you know it can be different and we can do we can make a difference but we need to kind of get behind something which we can then see as uh, we're on this together and from that it will look different from there on in
1: yeah and we are we're putting our money where, where our mouths are we we're actually expanding tgs to be to be, and we're building right now a teacher development and training center and we want to we want to expand one of our, the one of the faults on, on on our shoulders is okay well you only teach 60 students so we've got to expand um we believe in what we're doing and we want to definitely push that message out and how we're going to do it is build a teacher development and training center where we can begin having the conversations with our colleagues and professionals about okay this is how you can potentially bring it into your your own context your own your own environment and we can i mean we've got to do something i mean are we are we honestly going to plod on with siloed subjects instructional minutes you know proof of, you know, and you know, the, the more you dig around the exam system, you know, cause I, cause as you said before, you know, I work with students who are highly intelligent. A lot of them though, are, t- are learning. Cause we, we, our instruction is in English. Some of them are learning in their third language. So if these students are put in front of a test situation where they, they, they can't write at the speed needed, it doesn't mean they don't know the subject. They just can't write in the time allocated. Whereas if you if you're giving them a portfolio, and the sad thing is, like you know, coming from the UK, I think we've we've tarred portfolio work. Um, very, I, I think it, it, there's a stigma around it, and, and and it's kind of heartbreaking because that's how architects learn. You know, PBL came out of medical schools. You know, this is it, it's it's crazy that it's kind of exam has this status, but portfolio work doesn't you know you know like how's that that happened and portfolio work gives the students so much chance to, to think in deeper terms um they can work as a professional works in terms of you know building a timeline you know what resources do I need this idea and we keep hearing that you know trial and failing you know that's the kind of the buzzword oh we need to let students fail well we don't <laughs> they fail the exam that's not you know we know the, the the you know what comes out of that is is quite brutal in terms of yeah you lose a university place or you lose the scholarship but you know the how, how we're doing it it genuinely gives the students a chance to fail and and make mistakes and learn from it because you haven't got this all or nothing all or nothing finish in line at the end of t- i mean and like we said before how do you how are we in a position where we're judging students of three four five years work in a two, three hour exam. It, it, we know so much more than that. Now we have the research we have, you know, we have the data, we we, we have an infinite different, numerous different ways of doing this differently.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and and I think you're right, it all boils back, if you
0: not that anyone needs any convincing at all. But in, in terms of what does that student look like today? You know, and, and it, I think that's very black and white. Are they getting up going, I've got to go to school? And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to come home and I'm going to do what I'm told, you know, a good student, bad student, whatever. I'm just doing what I need to do. Or am I like, great, today is another day on this world, um, on this, in this world. And I'm going to just, just go with it. I'm going to thrive. I'm so excited about what I'm going to do. This is, this is an opportunity. And and I'm just loving it and I'm sharing it and I'm part of it and I'm creating it. And and I think it is that black and white. And as soon as the, it's not one or the other, then it doesn't matter what systems you have or whatever else you've got in place. It's just it's just doomed to be like I'm saying mental health, well-being, the whole thing. I mean, I, I always keep going back to the fact that, you know, we have all these well-being and support things for students who are really struggling, but it's almost like we're battering them around the legs with a hard piece of wood and giving them a plaster to say, I'm really sorry that hurts. Let's see, let's see if we can do it. But, if we didn't hit them in the first place, it wouldn't actually make any difference, you know. Give them the chance just to run and thrive, and, and and away you go.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we can do, I think a practical change we we can do is, I think we can look at teacher education. For example, for us in the UK, um, and every system has this. We have the PGCE. You know, when you go into teacher training, which is where we most of us started, we could embed some of the the because I, I I when I did my PGC I heard nothing about interdisciplinary learning zero wasn't on I we were siloed teachers we were prepared in a siloed way and it was very much around um then if you ever remember the book getting the buggers to behave Sue Cowley you know <laughs> but that was that's you no great book but that's where you started and it's like oh imagine that that's the opening to this journey that I'm it's a pretty daunting start And I think where we can make a real change is universities. I'm not saying get rid of being a history teacher or a science teacher, but just have an as additional PGCE, an interdisciplinary learning teacher. PGCE, interdisciplinary learning or project-based learning. Simple solution. Then out of your 100, 150 graduates at any one time from a um, a teacher training college, 10, 15 of them are passionate PBL practitioners. That is a low-hanging fruit that can happen in the next 12 months um and that's what we're promoting through through tgs and i'm having conversations people now about that and i would love to see that because then you'd have people going into the system who 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 are championing championing this way of learning whereas what we're doing now we're having to convert everyone and it's hard and it's difficult so people are not coming through the system actually with the awareness and knowledge me being one of them you know i i needed to as much as i hate to say it, i needed to be one round with this as well many years ago uh, you know because all i knew was was the siloed approach
0: and so, i think what happens or what has happened in as as the years have gone on is the fact that you know you talk about heads and, and directors that's all they've known now you know because yeah. the, the the age of the of the people that are doing that job that's what was it was like when they were training or when they were um, a subject teacher or even when they were at school you know yeah. so it, and if you haven't experienced it you can't even know what it is that you're trying to achieve let alone have a concept of what it is like I say unless you've been trained and it's on your radar from day one
1: yeah i know and you're not going to change it while you've got things like league tables between schools you're not going to change it because how that how the schools are distinguished are our exam results they are that you know an Ofsted you know the, again another another low hanging fruit is is reform Ofsted you know make you know it cannot be we all know the daunting pressure of teachers it shouldn't be like that you know school should almost be welcoming Ofsted into so, to say or any inspection say okay yeah, let's celebrate learning but instead we've got this massive disconnect between the between various entities within our education system they're not joined up at all and you know instead of having league tables you, know, you could have a you could have a sandpit of schools in a local region and they could be judged on how they collaborate and work together not results you know okay how many collabor- how many collaborative projects have you guys done as a as a sandpit of 10 to 15 schools what does that collaboration look like how are you guys sharing best practice what does teamwork look like there's so many dynamic things we can do and we, we we're just not doing them and and like I said, as long as league tables and these type of metrics exist, we, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to change much, sadly.
0: Yeah, and, and I love that idea of celebrating what you do. And and then it shouldn't be compared because, you know, celebrating what 10 or 15 schools do in mid Wales is going to be different to 10 or 15 schools in central London or, or, or anywhere in between those two things because they're going to look different. You've got different people, you've got different physical environments around, you've got just such a range of things. And it should be... This was brilliant for what you were able to do in your environment and you can also look at this other one it shouldn't be like that but you can understand where they've come from and then you can, you've got even more collaboration then in terms of what people have experienced and what's possible and and where you want to go with it and yeah like you say celebration rather than kind of critique i guess is
1: is, is maybe yeah the, yeah because we, you can embed that you can embed the reflection and the critique within a celebration it's not so such a brutal experience then for TGS at the end of every country or the end of every module we do what we call a a showcase and all the and now this will be um it can look at various different ways um in Dubai for example we did a number of um we, we were actually hosted at the Expo by Dubai Cares and what we did in their pavilion was the students actually got on stage to uh, to various people from the uae and different schools and different partners they all came in the students presented different ideas on education and then the the audience from lots of different backgrounds went around and looked at the work which was all set up in kind of in, in booths now that can happen across schools that could be a way of assessing and you know why why not inspectors go in and, and, and see that you know and and then it becomes a celebration of learning and a showcase of learning which is what we do um and, I, I've, and, and that and that is another huge thing we, we we're very fortunate with our accreditors they've been amazingly supportive in the us of, of what we're doing and without that support we couldn't do what we've done you know they've, they've been fantastic and supportive and they've been one of our biggest cheerleaders and it hasn't been that that c- combative um, accreditation or um, inspection format, and it's it, it's amazing actually. A difference. I don't know going off on a bit of a a bird walk here, but but having that on side, the accreditation, just gives you so much confidence to actually take risks as a staff to really try new things. And when you know they're supporting you, it and 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 you're in it together, it really does change the paradigm completely. And we've we've been lucky. Yeah. we've been lucky, and we've had that.
0: And and like and I guess like I say in it's, to be able to pinpoint that, it just makes a big difference, doesn't it? You know, just just give you the opportunity for people watching, people listening, people who are part of what your education system is no matter where you are in the world like I say we've been talking about the UK specifically um, in terms of Ofsted and that kind of thing but just that would just change the entire dynamic and the weight of how people feel about what they're doing um, and why it's so hard at the minute but also why it could just almost overnight at least have a different focus let alone how practically it would go about doing it
1: yeah yeah it would people yeah we, we have to it's not just schools by themselves and I and I get why teachers and educators and practitioners are probably listening to this and going you know God I've got enough to do and I I get it I get it you know people's people and I was in that world once where your your career and your job is judged by what your students do in terms of test results that's a huge amount of pressure and I I, I totally empathize with that and and when you're under the hammer like that and you're having to get test results to really maintain a reputation or a position in a school you haven't got room to be creative and take risks you just simply don't you know it's not the environment to do it so we've got these tools these metrics in terms of how we measure each other that are totally stifling the creativity and we keep persevering with them (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what I love about these conversations is, is the fact that you know, it, you suddenly feel like oh well, what can, we can do, but we've just you know we've spent forty minutes saying it can be like this, and despite all of those all of those factors, it can be done differently, and it can start with that different conversation in the staff room or a different a different staff meeting, you know let's just think what could it be how could we do this even if we have to frame it in such a way that we've got to convince a group of people that we don't want to convince you know let, let's be brave and let's be a bit fearless and let's see what we can do and have a conversation and at least start to make that change and I guess if you get enough people doing that then you start that wave and 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 that's that's exciting about where that could then be
1: yeah I've heard some good stuff happening in, in, in schools across the world in terms of um schools within schools you know people who are pushing project-based learning and um, they maybe taking an afternoon or a day off timetable and then students are doing ma- interdisciplinary projects or challenge-based learning experiences with, within and that that's you know that that's a tangible first step for sure you, you know and I, I, there is that going on so I I think there's a push more than I've ever seen you know in in, in my 20 years in education which which is great I mean we we have to celebrate the successes that people are waking you know people are waking up to the fact that that change does need to happen Um, and we we have to we have to soften we have to soften the landing for for teachers we have to you know we have to you know school leaders we have to help them take these risks we have to um give them the room to create and plan you know incredible experiences that are place-based that make use of local mentors local business um they build something for an out for an outward facing showcase you know these these are time consuming big steps but but the rewards are huge if 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 you can if you can pull it off
0: yeah. yeah i just hope that there are there are many people out there suddenly with a bit of excitement in their belly thinking yes <laughs> let, 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 let's do that and let's use some of these parts of the conversation that we've had today to kind of bring that forward and uh, and to actually and get that going so you know everything we've been talking about is inspirational everything we've talked about comes down to the experience, but there is that, we said that human connection in terms of, of everyone involved. So is there a school experience or is there a teacher that you remember that kind of, even if it's sort of, it's nutshell, was that kind of, oh yeah, I kind of knew there was an education part like this, even if I didn't necessarily see it overall that you can share with us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember being on the PGCE and it was my second placement and it was a pretty rough experience that my, my my first one up to Christmas and I just remember being on a um getting assigned my school I won't say the school or the district but I just remember going into this school and the person who's looking after me and being just really he was under all the stresses that we've talked about in this podcast but just being really kind and open and um you know when you're a PGC student and you hear kind of some of the horror stories that are going on from your colleagues or people in the you know people on your course and i just remember there was there was just a human empathetic um approach from this mentor in my second placement that kind of just gave me hope and gave me some belief that i could do this job because I, I remember getting up in front of my my first class and just being i am useless i cannot i cannot do this job this is beyond me you know, i almost froze doing my first lesson and yeah i just think in them early stages of the career because we, we 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 were talking before we know the data and the stats we know how, we know how many good people we lose in the early years of of the profession and, and the journey um so i i just think on for, for my own journey that that particular individual joined the pgce so either my, my so my message is for you, if you are a mentor on a pgce if you are looking after those students you know, just remember it's it's a it's a terrifying it's a terrifying nine months. Be kind.
0: <laughs> yeah, be kind. That's such a great piece of advice. Yeah. <laughs> and remember what it was like when you were there doing it. No matter how long ago that was.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice you think you've ever been given, or what advice would you now maybe give your your younger self? Apart from <laughs> be kinder to of yourself, probably when you are there shaking in your boots in that first class. Yeah, it
1: came from my. Uh, actually, came from one of my, um, academic writing experts and his from the U S and he would always say, um, you know, you, you know, roundabout pick wisely the the hill you're going to die on. And I think that as a principle that has always, um, put me in good stead, you know, like, is this really the hill I'm going to die on right now, this particular issue. And, you know, really thinking over because you know every day every day in as, as a as a principal, a principal school leader you know you've got a fire to put out and um and it never looks that bad a week or a month later you know you know in a week's time one time, you look back on that and go, oh, okay it wasn't quite as bad as i thought it was so it wasn't quite a huge issue that i i turned it into so that was a great piece of advice and i could always, I always hear his voice um he, he, was a, he was a very very good educator i was hearing his voice you know is this the hill you're gonna die on (laughs) and it's usually no it's not this is not
0: it (laughs) yeah I love that um and and we know resources are incredibly important we talked to now about you know the fact you've got knowledge in your in your in your pocket and all that kind of thing but it can be so wide varying so is there a podcast a a book a film a song or something which has had an impact on your life and that might be within the education field or, or a bit more personal
1: yeah I mean I I would go back to the the John Taylor Gatto books they were the thing that really woke me up um weapon where weapons of mass instruction um he, he wrote he wrote two really good books on oh and Domingo's down he wrote two books on on the factory model education system and I, I read those and I was like oh okay I knew there was something wrong and I knew there was something not right um this was before I joined Think Global School. So I was, I was very raw and very much a novice in, in differing education models. But I read those books. I can't remember how we got how, who recommended them. Um, but I got through both of them. And that was my kind of awakening. I was like, oh, OK, there's a problem here.
0: And I think what I like is, is the fact that you just get to the point where you think whether you can articulate it in any particular way as well as any author can or, or someone that's talking about it but you just have that feeling inside that it can be different um then i think you, you're 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 halfway to kind of knowing which path you want to go down like I say you know do i want to stick where i am now or do i want to make a difference and and how do i go about doing that so Thanks so much for sharing all of this today because I think there'll be so many people that go, it all starts to make a bit more sense and it, it doesn't feel quite so desperate because there's, there's people out there doing it differently and like you say it may be completely different in in the 60 students that you're able to take around the world but I think there are millions of students around the world who could have a very different education experience in the next year with just enough people sort of say being fearless and actually taking on these ideas and these concepts and and having these conversations with people who can make a difference in the uh, in, in the in the short term so Russell thank you so much it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation
1: thank you so much take care
0: Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've created 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.